0: Good morning and welcome to the latest edition of our bonus podcast. We are here very early in the morning. (laughs) Thalia's schedule has gotten so crazy and mine too, to try and organize a time. Later in the day was not working this week, so we're here at 7.15 in the morning doing this podcast. I know. It's not going to be normal, I hope. No, hopefully (laughs) not. We'll get into a better routine, but just the last few weeks have been a little nuts. Yes. So my name is Crystal Taves. I'm the pastor of women here at Northview. I am
1: with my co-host... Thalia, yes, I am pastor of CARE here. There are two of us. Vic Schellenberg is the other pastor of CARE, and Crystal and I do a lot together, so kind yeah. of two for one.
0: <laughs> we were kind of, the elders at our last meeting were like, you guys are like everywhere together as a team. And I said, well, we work well together, so mm-hmm. it's a good thing. Uh, we wanted to let you know of a few things before we jump into the uh, s- to the podcast today. Uh, we are recording this on Wednesday, March the 2nd, which means our mm-hmm. apologetics Conference is coming up right away in the next few days. Um, I'm going to go on th- Friday night. Mm-hmm. I know my son and his girlfriend are going to go Saturday, Friday and Saturday. Um, Thalia, are you planning to take it
1: in at all? Yep. Going Friday night for sure. And Saturday, night, Saturday morning, I'll take in bits and pieces. And um, my husband, Mark, will go with Carter Friday night and Saturday all day, I think. I don't think Ava's going. She's working, but lots of friends going. So it'll yeah. be good. So
0: we just wanted to encourage you, if you haven't done that yet, I think there is room for some walk-up. Mm-hmm. People to come, Um, if you can just come for part of it or all of it. It's just a great uh, weekend for exploring some of the questions that you may have about your faith. I know. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. 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 I haven't been able to go the last few years because Jessica's had volleyball tournaments out of town, but this time she has one, but it's in the Lower Mainland, so we can at least go Friday night. Yeah. The weekend we can't. The Saturday we can't, but looking forward to that. Mm -hmm. Second thing, after spring break uh, in Northview Women, we're starting a new series on the Book of James, um, so we're really excited to do that we're going to change up the format a little bit uh, at our women's conference, which we just had at the end of january. uh we had times of discussion and then times of uh more like a sermon style or uh, a consecutive kind of teaching style for like thirty minutes, yeah which we haven't had in women's ministry in the last little while. We've had more of a back and forth between the front and the tables, so we want to just um be able to t- kind of take the both the best of both worlds, okay, with having some table discussion and then having some really. Uh, teaching like you would have on a weekend service kind of teaching. So how long would that teaching be? About half an hour. Okay. Yeah, and then so the rest of the hour and a bit, hour and a half, will be still table discussions and prayer and worship, but we're going to just try out a new format for that. And this starts when? Right after spring break. So March 30th for the Wednesday morning Bible study and April 4th for the Monday night here in Abbotsford and in Mission. Okay. So if you want to study the book of James,
1: it's a great book about practical how we practically live out our faith. And I told the mission group when I taught there this past week that it's going to be like six weeks and end before the long weekend. Yeah. So that might be helpful for some of you who have all kinds of crazy spring plans in June that will be done before then. So if you want to come and join in, it would be great. Yeah, and if
0: you can't make it every week, that's Mm fine. Uh, We know some people are on shifts and whatever, but uh, feel free to come by. We're going to be recording the sessions again so that if you miss one, you can easily catch up on listening to the teaching part if you want. What about homework? uh, There'll be, yeah, a little bit of homework. So what we want to do is follow a format um, that Greg and Kyle and others have been teaching at TLC. Uh, It's an inductive Bible study teaching method, Mm -hmm. similar to what the precepts do, but just maybe a little bit, well, it'll be less intense in terms of the amount of homework per week. But each week we will spend some time in homework looking at a passage. Uh, just looking at observing the different things, who's it being talked about, what are the ideas that are being uh, put forward in that passage. And then when we get together as a group, we will look at what we need to know from that passage, uh, what kind of truth it's teaching us, and then we'll have a teaching time, and then after that we'll talk about how we apply the passage.
1: So if somebody can't do the homework for some reason?
0: They'll come and they'll read the passage with their group, and they might just not have had enough as much kind of premeditation on the passage, but they can still work through it with the group. Okay. They just just won't have had that percolating time of kind Mm -hmm. of knowing ahead of time what we're talking
1: about. And how much does a women's ministry ministry session cost?
0: Uh, $10 for the workbook and coffee and all that kind of stuff. We just do a blanket fee, a registration fee. And then if you have childcare on the Wednesday morning, we have childcare available, then it's, I think it's $2 per child per week, per week. Yeah. So that's a little extra.
1: Inexpensive though. Yeah
0: totally especially for what they get like yes. they, that's like a serious preschool down there in our child care yeah it's really good they have it organized so well so yeah and uh if if finances aren't issue for anybody we have money in our care fund and others that uh other funds that can help subsidize so don't stay away if that's a concern
1: and it's okay to bring friends that don't go to northview right yes friends neighbors whoever people who aren't
0: christians we've had all kinds of people women different. only yes that's all (laughs) that's the only qualification sorry guys but we've had teenage daughters come like it doesn't have to be even women like in terms of 18 and up we've had some homeschool girls come with their moms and Mm -hmm. so we'd encourage that Uh, one other thing just to keep in mind if you are looking at ways to outreach to your neighbors they're starting a new christianity explored class here and that's march 30th in the evening uh so that's i think seven weeks Yep. And it's a DVD session that just goes through some of the big ideas of Christianity and helps explain them to people who might be new in the faith or
1: questioning it, kind of like an alpha, that same kind of idea. Mm-hmm. So can I put a plug in for a pre-marriage class? Yes, you can. Okay. So Vic and I and my husband, Mark, are going to be teaching another pre-marriage session starting at the end of April. They are going to be on Monday nights this time. So four Monday evenings starting April 25th, ending before the long weekend. So May 2nd, 9th and 16th. Seven o'clock till nine o'clock in the evenings. And it's open to those couples that are seriously dating or engaged. Any age, we've had between 19 and 61. Step families, we've had people being married for the first time, second time, more time, no kids, lots of kids, whatever. Yeah. Not that we have kids at the session. I'm no. just saying people have kids. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's been a great, like you had 50 some people come
1: out. Yeah. In, 25 couples. Yeah. In this last one. In the winter. And um, then we had about the same amount in the fall, this past fall.
0: Wow. So yeah, it's very cool. You go through all different kinds of topics, which is one of the reasons why we chose a topic that we did for today, Mm -hmm. which is, yes, there we go. (laughs) Uh, We wanted to talk about God's design for sex, Mm -hmm. um, whether you're single or you're married. Mm -hmm. So why did you want to talk about
1: this, Thalia? lots of reasons. Well, I teach it in the pre-marriage class, yep. and I've been teaching it in women's ministry on Wednesday morning for the Hot Topics class. So one of the topics on women's, uh, women's ministry was um, God's design for sex, also God's design for marriage, those kinds of classes. And we teach it, where else do I teach it? Everywhere. I've taught it at CBC. I've taught it One-on-one <laughs> with people in your little counseling yeah. room. Yeah. yeah, I've taught it as part of the MB Conference classes for new pastors that are being credentialed, which means they're getting their license to be pastors by the MB Conference. So I do a two-hour session with them there. I've taught it at the Mennonite Brethren Seminary just a couple of weeks ago. So, uh, and you taught it last week. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, we, had, uh, we have a Moms Community
0: group here that's meeting on Wednesday mornings as part of our Wednesday morning uh, kind of fall or spring winter session. Uh, just for eight weeks. And so they wanted to do one on sex and marriage and relationships there. So I kind of pirated some of Thalia's <laughs> material and brought in some of my own. And yeah, it was a good, really good discussion just to talk through the basics of what um, God's design is mm-hmm. and what the culture tells us so mm-hmm. that we kind of filter things correctly. And then also to talk through, so what are some ways that we can kind of protect ourselves so that we fall in line with, so that we can follow more easily God's design. Yeah. And a lot of times people haven't thought through what some of those protective pieces are. And so that's why we thought it'd be a good thing to bring up this morning.
1: Yeah, because when I teach the classes, a lot of people need to be reminded of God's design for sex in singleness and marriage because we are so um, comfortable with what the world says is the design. But we have forgotten often what the Bible says and where those verses are. And so we need to go back to the design presented in the Bible as God intended it to be. And then from there, we work on different things.
0: Yeah. And our goal in doing this is we don't, it's always more heartbreaking to hear a couple um, talk to us when they've gone across all these boundaries and they Mm -hmm. don't know, they didn't talk about it ahead of time or they didn't even think about it ahead of time. And Mm -hmm. all of a sudden they're far gone down this path and their marriage is really being wrecked
1: by it and yeah. it's a lot of work to get it back yeah or a lot of single people meet with me and they don't realize that the muck they have in their life is a lot of it is because they have crossed all kinds of god's design they've gone outside the boundaries yeah and now they have all this muck in their life and they're trying to untangle the pieces
0: right so we like preventative medicine yes, rather we do. than
1: <laughs> yes, we do.
0: rather than reactive medicine, right?
1: An apple a day keeps the doctor away kind yeah. of idea.
0: <laughs> and so we can do these things. We can have these discussions one-on-one, like I said, in a counseling room or in classes. But we thought, well, if we have another opportunity to do it to a larger audience, that's mm-hmm. always better preventative medicine. Absolutely. So, and it's a good reminder for us, too,
1: mm-hmm. as so, we talk about these things. Can I paint a picture for you? Yes. About one of the pictures I use in my classes. Okay. So picture two houses side by side, just plain basic houses, like a kid would draw, you Mm -hmm. know, the triangle and then the square at the bottom. Okay. And in front of these houses is a busy road with lots of cars and trucks. And behind the houses, a little way off, is a beautiful river. And these houses have no fences around them, just two houses with... You know a grassy area behind them one house house number one has a beautiful play set and some toys scattered in the yard some balls and trucks and things like that house number two beside it has a beautiful pool in the backyard so house number one with the playset and the toys they have a little five-year-old boy and a puppy and the parents are finishing up dinner and doing the dishes and they say to their little uh, little boy Joey let's say Joey why don't you go outside and play with your puppy and we'll be out there in a few minutes well Joey goes out into the backyard And where is Joey going to head?
0: To the river. (laughs)
1: Okay. And he doesn't realize that the river is really fast and really cold, and he could be swept away or die of hypothermia. He doesn't know that. And if I was Joey, I'd probably head to the pool. But Joey can't swim very well, and so he could drown or his puppy could drown. So a very loving parent... Puts up a fence around their backyard so that if they send Joey out into the backyard after dinner, he can play on the playset and he can play with his toys and he is safe. And you know, his parents can watch him and he has a great time in the backyard, but he's not going to die. Mm -hmm. And so that's the picture we have of God's design. God has a design for sex. In singleness and marriage, he has a design for our joy, for his glory, and not to hurt us. It's for our protection. Right. It's not not because he wants to cause a... He's not a killjoy.
0: Right. And that's where people get it wrong sometimes, Mm -hmm. right? They think God is just cosmically to destroy
1: everyone's fun. Right. Yeah. And when Joey gets older, he realizes there are gates in the fence because he's not a robot. So he can choose whether he wants to go outside of the fence and he knows what the dangers are out there and he knows what to avoid and what not to avoid that kind of thing. Yeah. So, God didn't make us into robots. We have we want to present God's design, but then we also have to realize that um we don't have to follow that design. We do not have to obey God's uh design for sex and marriage. We can do what we want. The problem is if we do what we want, often that leads to difficulty. Right. So, the consequences that follow are the things we need
0: to keep in mind. Yeah. Yeah. And where that path is headed eternally Mm -hmm. for us. Yeah. If we continue down it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we're not forced on a path. No. But yet it has definitely implications. Yeah. Which way we decide. Mm -hmm. So, why don't we talk about, first of all, the cultural view of kind of what sex is for and who can have sex with who. And then we can talk about the biblical view. And then let's talk about, yeah, some of those fences. What are those things that help um, kind of us stay within God's design? So okay. culturally, what what is the purpose of sex? Yeah. Well, what we're are, very we
1: comfortable with a cultural view, all of us. If I gave you a moment, which I won't give you very long because we don't have a long podcast, <laughs> but you would immediately be able to rattle off what the world thinks of sex because it's whatever you want, whenever you want, how you want it, whatever floats your boat, if you so, want. Yeah. Two men, two women, multiple partners. Polyamory is a popular one now, which means multiple loves. Um, Get married, don't get married, live together. You can do all kinds of things. You can have a threesome, which is a third person involved. You can do swinging, which is married couples exchanging sex with each other. You can go to strip bars and casual sex and friends with benefits. And, uh, I mean, you can think of all the things we see on movies and TV shows and articles and blogs and podcasts. And that is all great Just enjoy because this life is short, so just go for it, is the thinking.
0: Yeah. And the whole idea of gender is so fluid, too. Mm -hmm. Like Miley Cyrus would call herself a pansexual, which means gender fluid, right? And that idea that we need to be okay with all of these things if we are truly
1: tolerant as people. Yeah. That's what the world would say. That's what the world would say, yeah. And the world would say we are very old-fashioned and weird if we want to follow a faithful sort of what they would call a religious viewpoint right one so man, what kind of boundaries married. would the, the world does or the culture does have boundaries mm-hmm. what kind of boundaries do you see well they seem to think that consent is sort of the top rule right so if two people consent or multiple people consent it's all good right so if you're in a marriage but your husband doesn't mind if you ha- have
0: relationships with another guy yeah or yeah then that's fine as long as the consent is there as long it's, as it's not secretive
1: As long as it's not secretive and as long as it doesn't sort of hurt someone else, whatever that definition is. Like still, it's not okay for pedophilia, like for an adult to hurt a child. That is still seems to be universally wrong. So the adult, the age, the the age of
0: consent is a big thing still, even within the world. Yes. This is in the culture. Yep. And then the consent piece, like obviously rape and any kind of forced sex is not... Yeah, not
1: okay. And there's still a big deal around, like you said, honesty. So cheating and betrayal is still seen as terrible, but it seems to be okay if, like you said, a partner okays a third person or a multiple people into the partnership, then that seems to be sort of more truthful in our world.
0: Yeah. So yeah, it's an interesting thing Mm -hmm. to think of just in general, we value truth. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But that doesn't necessarily mean we value God's design no. and his definition of truth but yeah. as long as everything's in the open yeah interesting so in terms of God's perspective then mm-hmm. God's view of sex when where do we get this from
1: so right back in Genesis Genesis 1 he created us in his image he created us male and female And then in Genesis 2.24, it talks about uh, the first marriage. It doesn't actually have a wedding ceremony, but talks about a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined with his wife, and they shall be one flesh. So he's joined one man, one woman. This is before the rebellion. This is while it's still absolutely perfect. God has made one man and one woman and joined them together in marriage Mm -hmm. for his purposes.
0: Yeah. And he tells them to be fruitful and multiply. So procreation is part of that um, design, right? The sexual union of a man and a woman is part of that.
1: Yeah. And then if we go later on into the Old Testament and we go into Malachi chapter 2, it talks about how God uh, is upset with the people because they are being faithless in their marriages. And so he calls them to be faithful and he says, God has um, witness between you and the wife of your youth and he's called them to companionship and it's a covenant, which is a relationship between a married couple and God. It's a three-way relationship. God is witness over this marriage union and he's called them to be faithful. So he says, guard yourselves and not don't be faithless yeah. to the wife of your youth. So we'll talk a little bit
0: more about that guard mm-hmm. yourselves as we get on yeah, uh, in the podcast. The interesting thing in the Malachi podcast, or the Malachi passage, too, is it talks about the reason God's done this is because he wants godly offspring. He wants people to be communicating their faith to their children, to be passing that on, because that was the biggest problem with intermarriage in the Old Testament, too, was the fact that, uh, yeah, faith wasn't communicated, that God's rules, God's designs weren't being communicated to their children. And so that was part of the design. And so quick aside, mm-hmm. why is there polygamy in the Old Testament if yeah. this is the design?
1: A lot of people will bring that up and say, but hey, there's polygamy in the Old Testament. And it's like, well, yeah, but in the original design, it was one man, one woman joined in marriage. God never said it is okay for them to be polygamous. He never gave explicit consent for this. He somehow allowed this, yeah. but we see that every time there's a polygamous relationship, it seems to go wrong. Right. When we do not follow God's design, there's problems and consequences.
0: Yeah, so I think it's a reminder for us too when we read the Bible, to realize that not everything within the Bible is God's design. No. He's is, He's telling the story of how he interacted with people. And mm-hmm. so what you need to do is take all the stories that you read, and then kind of hold them in one side of your head, yeah. and then compare it with what he teaches in other parts of the Bible, yeah. and say, like, are people actually living in line with how God's telling them to or not? Yeah. Uh, because we don't want to just say, oh, because Abraham did it, I can do it, or because David yes. did it. Like, that's not necessarily how the Bible works as a piece of literature.
1: And in the New Testament, when elders are appointed for the new church, the elders are asked to be husbands of one wife. So polygamist elders are excluded from being leaders in the church. God calls them back to his design. Right, right. And even in Jesus, in the New Testament, in Matthew, when he talks about, uh, Matthew 19, when he talks about marriage, he calls them back to the design for marriage. When they're talking about divorce and Pharisees are asking all about, well, what's okay for divorce? He calls trying to them get back to them the on the rabbit design. trails. Yeah. yeah. So it's repeatedly throughout the New Testament, they're going back to the design. God's like, yeah, I know there's all these other things happening, but the original design is one man, one woman committed for life. companions. In a covenanted sacred relationship, it's a picture of Christ in the church. In Ephesians 5, it talks about that. Like our marriages, which I didn't know at 22, I had no idea that a marriage was more than just me and Mark. I didn't know that it was a picture of Christ in the church, and it had this much bigger plan bigger testimony to others. I had no idea. Kind of good thing. I think I would have been scared. <laughs> <laughs> I don't measure up. I don't want to get married. <laughs> I know. I think I would have been scared. And I can see the people in my pre-marriage classes, a number of them have come up to me and said, I had no idea that marriage was a bigger picture than what I thought it was. Right.
0: So you've said sometimes people are surprised at how explicit the Bible is in its rules. So where do you find some of these explicit Kind of guidelines.
1: Yeah, because people have asked me, well, what's lawful and what's unlawful in terms of sexual um, contact and sexual stuff? Yeah. So in Leviticus 18 and Leviticus 20, you can read all the different things that God does not allow sexually. And he even goes on to list things like sex with animals, and do not have sex with your husband's, no, with your father's wife and with your That's neighbor. Very, and with your, it goes no. on and on and on and on. And Romans one paints another picture, and there is definite rules for how God has designed sex. It's for. Um, inside of marriage only, one man, one woman inside of marriage only. But that also means that so people that are married, they cannot flirt with other people outside their marriage. They can't fantasize about other people at their marriage. They can't include a third party in their marriage or they can't have pornography inside their marriage because they're lacking some spice. Like it's really intended to be a pure, joyful, sexual union between one man, one woman inside marriage. Yeah. Outside of that, we are supposed to, we're called to be single and celibate. Yeah. Yeah. These are restrictive, they seem like really restrictive, limited, hard lines. So, yeah,
0: the the whole thought life part Mm -hmm. is brought up by Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, where he talks about, you know, even lusting after someone is the same as committing adultery. So it's even having our thoughts and our fantasies in line with what God has for us. Which is, yeah, something we really need to take seriously. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes we think, well, I haven't actually done anything. But if our mind is there, it's just as serious in God's eyes.
1: Well, that brings in the whole emotional affairs, which we've dealt with here at Northview. Well, people will say, well, I actually haven't had sex with someone else, but they've been exchanging emotional or sexually um, charged, explicit or explicitly charged, yeah texts between each other or sending pictures back and forth so it's not an actual physical contact but it's very much a heart connection um, through texting so that's not okay no no so why does god have these rules for us yeah well some ways we have to go back to the fact that he's god yeah and we are not he's the creator we are the created he's the one who designed everything so he can set up the rules. And when you see, like you said, you see the consequences of following,
0: you see, yeah. oh, yeah, if, actually, if we had stayed in the fence, yeah. we would have been in a healthier, better place. Well, yeah. So he knows what would be the best for us. He
1: knows what is best for us. And he knows that we just save so much pain and heartache and physical difficulties when we stay in his design. Yeah. So there, I mean, when you play outside of God's design, we add in potential sexually transmitted diseases. We add in unplanned pregnancies and abortion and adoption. And we add in heartache and anxiety and stress and fear of being found out. And our parents are disappointed in us. And I mean, there is just people are in counseling for years because they have strayed outside of God's design and realized, oh, that really hurt. Yeah. But they didn't even realize it was God's design, didn't realize they were straying. They just thought it was fun at the time, and then it didn't turn out to be so fun. Yeah,
0: because the world would say, just follow your heart. Right. Yeah, that's what's the best, is self-fulfillment, right? Mm -hmm. So I think God also, with all parts of our life, he calls us to be a witness to kind of his glory, right? And so throughout the scripture, you see, be holy for I am holy. Mm -hmm. And that idea comes up over and over again in the Old Testament and in places like 1 Peter 1, um, that comes up again. That's his design for us. That as a Christian people, we're supposed to model his holiness to the world yeah. in the way that we live our life. Yeah.
1: I love uh, Ephesians at the beginning of part of chapter five, at the end of chapter four, going into the first part of chapter five, where it calls us to imitate God, just as he loved us and gave himself up for us, we are to love others. And then it talks about how um, he forgave us. And so we're not supposed to have any hint of all of these difficult things in our life, sexual immorality, impurity, covetousness, things like that. So it's really a picture of the fact that God did this first. He forgave us, and he is pure, and let's be imitators of him. Yeah. And there's some p- passages, I think it's
0: um, Ephesians as well, where it talks about this is how some of you were, but yes. now you have been washed and cleaned and sanctified yeah. and glorified. Actually, that might be the Second Corinthians passage. Yeah. But... This idea that even if you have been there, it doesn't mean that you're beyond God's grace.
1: No, it like, talks about that in Ephesians and Colossians as well, yeah. how you you did walk in these ways, but now you better, know better. So put off these old ways yeah. and put on the new, which is being renewed. If we're Christians, it's being renewed in Christ right. as we repent and we confess and we clean up our lives with him, with his help, thankfully, because I couldn't do it myself.
0: Yeah. So we want that message to get across that no one's beyond... God's cleansing work in the midst of this, no matter what boundaries you've crossed?
1: No, absolutely not. We can repent and confess, and God will wash it clean. Unfortunately, we still often live with the consequences of what we have done. We may still have a sexually transmitted disease. We may still have a child that we had in our teenage years. We may still have heartache and brokenness because of that divorce or you know, broken relationship of yeah. some sort. We still somehow have the consequences in this life. Yeah. But if they're forgiven by God, then we can go forward uh, into heaven. Because if we continually disobey God throughout our life, disobey, disobey, unrepentantly, sinning, unrepentantly, on and on and on through our last breath, yeah. We don't go into heaven. No. So we like, don't want that for people. We want to warn them. Yeah. And say, come back to God's design. It's really better for you.
0: Yeah. And He will receive you back.
1: Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So going back to
0: that Malachi 2 passage that you talked about, where it Mm -hmm. says, guard yourselves in your spirit Mm -hmm. and let none of you be faithless. It's just such a beautiful kind of imperative that he gives us, a command. It made me think of Proverbs 4.23 as well, that says, above all else, guard your heart, for it's the wellspring of life. Yeah. What are some of those pieces that we can put into um, place in our lives to guard ourselves?
1: That's a good question. So what I teach is I teach people to think defensively, And offensively. Yeah. So if you're a sports person, you totally know what I'm talking about. I'm not, but I get the idea. (laughs) (laughs) You could talk the lingo. Sure. (laughs) So defensively, for example, so I'm married. I love my husband, Mark. I want to stay married. I want us to have not just a marriage, but a great marriage, which means turning all my attention and my energy to Mark. So that means defensively. There's a lot of things I don't do, and people look at me like I'm crazy. So I don't have... um, I don't go for coffee, like a friendship coffee with other men. Mm -hmm. Yes, I have business coffees, but we have our business papers. It's very clear. It's a business meeting. I don't go for friendship coffees with other men. I don't drive with other men alone. Um, I don't go for walks with other men alone. I don't text other men unless it's like a factual kind of a texting. Like, yeah, I'll be there at 7. Yes, I'll be at this meeting. But it's not a heart-to-heart texting. I don't have a friendship male texting. That's my defensive boundaries, and I have lots of those offensively, I want to encourage my relationship with Mark. So we go on date nights, and we go for walks, and we spend time talking. And yes, we do have sex. (laughs) I hope my kids don't listen to this. (laughs) Um, So there's things that we do proactively to encourage our relationship So that we are working on building a great marriage. Yeah.
0: And going out with friends who encourage you in your relationship. Yeah. Those kind of things, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Hanging out with friends who also love their spouses and love God and want to continue in that direction. Yeah. It would be too easy to be pulled in the other direction.
0: Yeah. So what are some, you mentioned technology a little bit already Mm -hmm. as one of these areas we need to be aware of. Um, so if you are in workplace like we are, where we have to communicate with men, what kind of rules have you put around yourself to kind of protect yourself?
1: Well, and I know you have done the same. Yeah. Is that when we, let's say we want to give a compliment to one of our male coworkers, done a great sermon or taught a great class or whatever, we'll often CC someone else. Right. So I'll CC Vic or I'll CC Crystal so that it's still a public, um compliment right or at our staff meetings we have we call it kudos and everyone can give public compliments to other people about good things they have done so it's all in the public it's not pulling someone aside secretly and say oh yeah. you are so great i really loved because that gets creepy yeah and it goes into some weird zone that could you know be bad yeah so it's not saying that we can't at all be in touch with people. We no. need to, for the sake of our
0: business and our work, what yeah. we're doing here at church, we need to be able to communicate but how we do it. yeah, We have to be mindful of how we do it.
1: No, you and I have great guy friends here on staff, yeah. and we travel to conferences, but you and I will share a room, and we will travel together with a group of them. I'm not traveling alone with another male coworker, no, on Whether it's in the car or on the plane or anything like that.
0: So you and Vic will go to the same meeting, but you'll mm-hmm. drive separately if it's just the two of you.
1: Yeah. yeah. Or we take Somebody else along, and we'll have three of us in the car,
0: right? So that appearance, because even if you aren't doing anything, no, inappropriate, that you want to control the appearance too. Well, yeah, because
1: everybody sees in Abbotsford, yeah, right. So somebody (laughs) would see me driving with Vic, and they'd say, "I don't think that's Thalia's husband. Why is she with him?" And then they'd have these thoughts that are totally. We don't even want them to have the thoughts. Yeah. So let's not even. I'm not even going to go there. Right. And, and Mark would just like Mark and Sandy, Vic's wife, are all okay with this, but we it'd still be like no, let's just not even plant those seeds. Yeah. And if, for example, somebody got very sick at work, let's say Vic got very sick and he needed me to drive him somewhere, well then I would let our secretary know or I'd let Mark know. I'd say I'm just taking him home, he's really sick, and people would see us driving together and it. Lots of people could back up the fact that, well, yeah, he was sick. She was taking him home. So there's a reason behind it. There is, so there's no um, hint of anything. Right. And even when we go away on conferences and stuff, there
0: is kind of a rule that we're not supposed to go our, alone, no. even for that sake, even not that. Yeah. So it's not like you're, you and Vic shouldn't go together, but it's not, you shouldn't even go by yourself. No. You should be with me or with your husband if you yeah. go to a conference, because it just has that accountability piece. Yep. Right? Somebody to back up what you're doing while you're there.
1: Because unfortunately in our church setting, we've had couples that have, um, you know, gotten to know each other through a community sport, for example. Yeah. And they get to know each other through community sport, they have fun together, and then one husband drops out and the wife of the other party drops out. So there's the opposite husband and wife left in the sport and they have a great time. And then eventually they start going for coffee with their, their teammates and then they go for coffee with each other and then a relationship forms and then eventually a sexual relationship forms and both marriages are broken up. Yeah. And we've had that you know, in different formats and different ways. Yeah. Um, That's a fictional one. But, you know, I don't want to. Well, I can. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I can
0: have, I have four stories in my head of things I've observed, just dropping my kids off at school and doing those little pieces. Right. And so when I've talked
1: with those wives, the betrayed wife and the betrayer, I've sometimes met in both of those circumstances. And I asked them, well, what boundaries did you have in place? And I lay out some ideas. And they look at me like I am so weird and I have 10 heads because they're like boundaries. Yeah. What do you mean? We always text other guys. We always go for coffee with other guys. Like this isn't anything weird. And one of them even said, well, I even have a, a man staying in my house right now. I'm alone because my husband has left, but I have a man staying in my because he needed a place to stay. I'm yeah. like, uh, maybe this isn't the best idea if we want to protect God's design for sex. Yeah. So... We need to be very wise and discerning and have good judgment around us if we want to follow God. If we yeah. don't want to follow God, we'll do whatever you want. Exactly Right.
0: So quickly, because we're at 31 minutes already, uh-huh. um, what are other areas we need to be aware of? I think the way we dress yes. is a big thing. Mm-hmm. Like how are we dressing
1: to attract attention or not? Yeah. Very, very important well- one. Yeah. Hugging is an important one. Who do we hug and what kind of message is that sending to the people around us? Like touch. Touch is powerful. It's very important. Good touch is, you know, great, but uh, touch can be confusing and lead people in the wrong directions. Yeah. Dress, technology, compliments. Yeah. I think we need to be aware, too, of just
0: the situations in our own life that will make us vulnerable to yeah. sin and not think that we are above it. Yeah. Like, I think if we think, oh, my husband, that's not his problem or it's not my problem. It'll never happen to me. Then I think we're just setting ourselves up for failure. Because, or if yeah. we're a single person, think I'll never fall into that same kind of thing. So I think we need to be aware of, so what are the emotional factors that could yeah. cause me to sin? I know for myself, when I'm tired, when I'm not taking care of myself, I can be more tempted to all Absolutely. kinds of different sin, right? Yeah. If I'm not um, having, you know, building good things into my life that make me feel good about myself, mm-hmm. I'll look for happiness somewhere else, mm-hmm. right? If I'm not exercising, if I'm not doing the things I love to do. I will look for someone else to bring me happiness or to give me yeah. my identity. And yeah. so what are those pieces in your life that you need to kind of be aware of
1: that will shore, shore yeah. you up? And if you are married and you're going through a tough patch in your marriages, which everybody does, yeah. you know, hang in there, you know, whether it's do more date nights, go to counseling, do some things to bring it back to a good place would be helpful. Um, But sometimes those patches are there. So then we just have to put on more guards and be extra careful and extra vigilant. Yeah. And if you're single, you know, you need to be careful too, because hanging around with married people you might think is totally safe, but you might develop an attachment to that other person, the opposite gender or the same gender. We've had that too. Yeah. So we need to guard ourselves whether we're single or married. Yeah. There's just no way around it if we want to follow God's design. Yeah. And that might look different in your own life. You might have to think through your own life and think, what are the guards for you that mm-hmm. would be helpful based on your circumstances? Yeah. And I'd say, start talking about that with your friends and your family. Yeah. And you can decide if Crystal and I are totally out to lunch or or if something in here says, oh yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. Yeah, because
0: all of our lives are going to be different. Some of you are going to have a... A spouse that travels, and so they're Mm -hmm. gone two weeks of the month. You're going to have different things that you might need to put into your life than somebody whose spouse is around. Yeah. Or if you're single, you might have different boundaries than somebody who isn't. Right. So we need to all use our brains, use the wisdom that God's given us. Yeah. And look at ourselves, look at our situations, and say what Yeah, what do I need specifically to Mm -hmm. keep myself on track? Absolutely. And I think another great one is just being in God's Word. Whether that's coming here on the weekends, whether it's coming to our women's Bible study or precepts Bible study or something, because we can so easily slip. We watch TV, we listen to radio, we watch, read books. It just, we slide into
1: what the culture is is telling us all the
0: time. And if we're not reminded, if we don't have that kind of shaking of our, (laughs) I know that shower that we need from God's word, um, it's just so easy to
1: slip into what the culture is telling us. Ezra called it years ago, the cultural Kool-Aid. He said, don't drink the cultural Kool-Aid. It's like, oh yeah, okay. So then how do we drink God's Kool-Aid, whatever that's called? Maybe <laughs> it needs a new name. Yeah,
0: But we need to be in His Word mm-hmm. to be reminded of it and to be with other Christians who would hold the same yeah. beliefs. Yeah. Okay, we're going to pray as we close. Okay. Should I pray? Sure. Night? Okay. Lord, I thank you so much um, for your Word, for what it teaches us about your design for sex. Um, Lord, I thank you that you are God who created all things for our good and for your glory, and sex is part of that. Um, but, Lord, we know that all things can also be corrupted by evil and by sin, and sex is part of that too. And so, Lord, we just pray. I pray for all the people listening to this podcast this morning. I pray, Lord, for the people in our congregation, for in our city, the women that we ministered with all the time, the men who are part of this church. Lord, I pray that we would be in your word, that we would be people whose hearts are uh, committed to you, uh, that we would receive with meekness that implanted word that you've put within us, which it says in James, Lord, that we our hearts would be soft as we come to your word and we hear your words of correction and conviction. Lord, I pray that we would know that you are the Father of Lights, who does not shadow, who has no shadows and does not shift. Uh, that you hold out truth to us, and you bring us into your uh, into your ways with your love and your grace. Like I said, for your for your glory and for our good. So, mm-hmm. Lord, may we also put this idea. This whole area of sexuality under your care, under your protection, allow you to change us, to grow us, um, and to use us uh, for your glory in this world. So we pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen.